Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 71. Today we are talking the ECS Season 7 Finals, DreamHack Open Summer, Style Ladder Minor Qualifiers, Roster Changes, and the Four Archetypes of Man. All right, let's get down to business. This uh, podcast is coming to you live from Vienna in Austria, for those who don't know their geography. If there's a bit of a hum on the soundtrack, it's because the hotel room has some serious aircon going right now. It's very hot. Now, that uh, happy birthday is because Counter-Strike has just turned 20. 20 years ago to this day, apparently, was the moment the very first version of Counter-Strike was released to the pubic. Now... That's exciting. 20 years is a long time. Makes me feel like an old, old man. Bit of a PSA before we get started onto uh, the news and whatnot. In the last episode, I we were talking about DreamHack Dallas in uh, reference to the fact that UPS had lost Liquid's trophy. Uh, they'd misplaced it. It has apparently since turned up, but uh, you may recall... <laughs> during that section, I mentioned that that all those noobs who don't know what UPS stands for, uh, it stands for United States Postal Service. I was wrong. I am the noob. Um, it's actually United Parcel Service, and uh, USPS is an entirely different thing. United Parcel Service is a private company. USPS is, of course, the United States Postal Service. Uh, and this was pointed out to me by the lovely listener, Devin. He said uh, USPS is actually failing. Because I, um, I cited USPS as, as uh, evidence of the uh, crumbling American empire, or, or perhaps a good um, uh, totem of the crumbling American empire. He said it's failing, but only because of decreased mail volume and Congress requirements to excessively pre-fund retirement. That may be the case um, in, uh, it, as, as it happens, but uh, in my experience there, regardless of what the um, reason for it is, your post offices, at least the ones I've been to in New York and LA, are dire, crumbling sarcophagi of a disintegrated relationship between the government and the people. And I stand by that. But I also uh, fully admit my noobishness. ECS Season 7 Finals has finished. There's a lot to get through, guys. This has been uh, almost two weeks since the last pod, so bear with me. We're going to rumble through. And we're actually in the middle of the EP, uh, EPL Season Finals right now. Uh, and maybe we'll touch on that at the end. But um, Vitality won the ECS Season 7 Finals. They destroyed Furia. 16-9 and 16-4 on Inferno and Overpass. They won themselves $225,000 in Cold Hard Crash. We had a few interesting uh, stories here, other than the um, the battle between these two relatively new teams and what felt like a bit of a new guard taking over the Counter-Strike scene. One of them um, was... Uh, the collapse of Astralis, I guess, which is part and parcel, I guess, with the uh, the new talent coming up um, and the continued descent of Fury and Vitality. Uh, also, the uh, there was a bit of a 
bit of a story with complexity. Now, just on Astralis, those guys were beaten by Furia in the opening best of one and then beaten Nip 2-0, but were beaten by Furia again in a 2-1 best of three. Furia are, of course, the Brazilian team who have come from seemingly out of nowhere to take a top five position on the HLTV rankings. Their uh, aggressive play... Uh, has done them wonders. And it just goes to show, as I've said before in this pod in reference to MIBR sometimes being the biggest threat to Australis, the best way to play Australis is to play a continued, varied, aggressive style. Uh, Furia have have ascended with such speed in the last couple of events that uh, it's, it's, it cannot last. It, it seems to me it cannot possibly last. Uh, and we'll talk a bit more about how it may not last and how it may not be lasting already uh, when we get into some further events. One of the um, uh, fallouts, I guess, of this Australis uh, defeat was that they were getting a lot of opprobrium, opprobrium online. A lot of people were saying this was uh, this was their demise. They would never be number one again. This serves them right for taking this time off. They should never have taken this time off. The era is over, uh, and to those people I say, uh, fooey and uh, bar humbug and, and those sorts of uh, outdated expressions, because Australis are warriors, and as we will discuss towards the end of the podcast, warriors set boundaries, and when warriors set boundaries, other people get unhappy. They don't like other people setting boundaries. Those guys said, we need some time off. And you know what? I don't care about the the blast speculation. I don't care. That's uh, we cannot prove it either way. They took some time off, in their words, because they needed some time off. And so good for them. They'll be back. Glaive is a warrior. That's how it's done. Uh, Nip just didn't seem to really have anything in this tournament. They really seem like they're on their last leg, and there has been some last legs, and there have been some rumors um, circulating. I think from DK on Dejerto or Dexito, however that's pronounced, uh, that they are considering a change coming up to the major. There are talks of uh, Flusher being courted by those guys. Something needs to happen. They kind of haven't risen to the level that they were at maybe a couple of majors ago where they were really giving Australis a run for their money. Um, NRG were looking a little bit better with Tarek. But obviously not good enough to uh, keep Daps because he's been pushed out for Stan. We'll get onto that roster change in a moment. Um, and uh, MIBR, they were beaten by North and Complexity. So they're seeing lower out of the top 10 right now. I think they're number 11. Now, what was really interesting with uh, Complexity was that having pushed uh, Stanislaw out, and maybe we should just cover this now, those guys picked up a, a kid called Oboe. Uh, I think he was just pugging on FPL. He's 15 years old. He's got a bit of a badass haircut. He was top fragging basically the whole tourney for complexity. And those guys already looked far more invigorated than they did before uh, with Stanislaw. Now, Def is calling. Def's a big lad. He's got a bit of a leader's presence. Um, and uh, things are looking good. I don't know if you've, you guys get a chance to watch some of these uh, complexity behind-the-scenes videos. They've always been some of the best in the scene. And there's one, a particular one that probably was more popular than others because it covered a bit of this roster change stuff. I would suggest you check it out. It actually has, is quite a, an interesting um, 
uh, inside and behind the scenes on, on the vibe that was going on in that team. These guys look far more excited and invigorated now. Uh, Ricky has a visa, so he's back practicing with the team in the States. Uh, Stanislaw, I don't think... There's a, we hear, this this potty has a bit of a weird relationship with Stanislaw because there's a lot of uh, speculation <clears throat> and pop psychology that goes on here. All I can do is take what I see of Stan in interviews. Uh, I don't know the guy. I cannot actually make proper judgments about him, but my impression is that he's a nervous, cagey guy. He doesn't really smile. Uh, he feels like he's holding something back. He feels like he's got secrets, and that to me is not the sign of a natural leader. So I don't know how he's still going around in these teams and uh, replacing people like Daps. I can't see him doing great things uh, at NRG, although apparently already Tarek's going to be calling half the time and he'll be calling the other half the time and maybe Tarek's got enough uh, juice in the tank that Stan can just be a sort of um, stoic, uh, po-faced brain behind things. Apparently one of the reasons that Daps uh, got the flick was because... And we're, we're digressing a little bit here, but I think it was a, an interview with um, uh, I'm a Pet where he said that, um, or maybe it was, uh, I can't remember who it was. He said Daps just wasn't really fragging enough these days, which you know, it kind of makes you wonder, like, if that's really the problem, shouldn't Daps have just been aim, aim, aim botting or what is it called? Aim mapping, uh, bot mapping or whatever, you know, just practicing your aim all day, every day. It's hard to tell what uh, what might have gone on. Apparently, Daps uh, sighed a bit of a, 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 a breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief after getting benched, and there's talks that he might be going to Cloud Nine. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh, this was exciting for v- Vitality because it really solidified the fact that they are actually a team with a lot more of a backbone right now than, for instance, Furia, who sort of swept in with a bit of shock and awe. Uh, these guys actually have a really solid setup. We've got MBK calling on one side and um, uh, old mate Alex calling on the other side. And it's fun. It was really fun to see the sort of emergence of a new name. Alex is not someone who's been on my radar particularly. Of course, he really kind of came into the uh, spotlight when he joined Vitality. But he, I guess because he was the uh, only English player at this tournament but he was getting his name chanted by the crowd and put up an amazing uh, performance here so it's exciting to see some new names on the scene now and of course Keiserato and Yuri uh, these superstars of uh, Furia are definitely some of the new superstars of the scene and I predict may uh, edge their way into the top 20 this year which is fun let's move to DreamHack Open Summer DreamHack Open Summer uh, just finished. That was played out uh, with six invited teams, uh, if you recall, from last podcast. And it was won in the end by Optic in a pretty thrilling little final uh, against Ancient. So this is actually, this is a really fun uh, victory to see. And we'll get to exactly why in a second. Optic beat uh, Ancient 16-12 and then 16-14 on Overpass and Nuke, respectively. And guess who was top fragging? My boy, Nikolai Christensen, a.k.a. the Danish Nico. What a champ. What a goddamn champ. Now, here's what's exciting about this. Optic have been around for a long time, have had some terrible, terrible uh, roster changes. They had this horrible... um, 
weird mix where Stanislaw and um, what's his face were on the team with Config and uh, Cage and B, and nothing was going right. Basically, they haven't actually won a trophy since E League season two. Since the original, I think I'm, I think I'm getting this right. Since the original. Um, Tarek and Stan and Rush and whatnot uh, line up and Nath. So this is very exciting for these guys. And it comes at a very strange time because those uh, pundits on the scene who keep their nose to the ground will know that the Immortals Company, uh, a.k.a. IGC, the Immortals Gaming Company, have bought uh, Infinite Esports Entertainment, which are the owners of uh, Optic Gaming. And because of that, if you, they, they have basically have to get rid of the Optic team because Immortals Gaming Company also owns MIBR. Uh, so these guys are basically up for sale. Um, so it's a weird time to be winning tournaments, but the best possible time too because I don't think they would have uh, had a buyer uh, prior to this. I, I don't know who would have bought them. They haven't done anything. Um, but actually now we can see there's a little bit, a little bit happening. Old mate MSL was back to seemingly the way that he actually does seem to win, uh, tournaments, which is him taking the orb and doing some top fragging. So this is exciting for them. Uh, Ancient put up a very good fight and they seemingly have, uh, come out of nowhere. If you, if you recall, uh, Pronax and Schneider were on that team and, left that team under some unclear circumstances about a month, two months ago. So it's a fairly new lineup for Ancient, although they are basically four of the five players who used to be on Epsilon together before NIP picked them apart. I think the only player who is not in that team anymore, um, it was not the original lineup there, is, is Rez. So they've played with each other before. No wonder they had a bit of chemistry. Uh, a lot of people were praising Draken's uh, orping on um, Ancient. Draken, however, still seems to have the same problems he used to, doing some crazy pushes through smokes, some reckless plays. Uh, and then hitting some ridiculous flicks. So this was fun. One of the other cool things to watch uh, was Aristocracy. Um, they were looking pretty good. They actually did, I should mention, they did beat Virtus Pro earlier on this month at the ESL Polish Championship Spring 2019 Finals. They took it pretty clearly. 16-14 on Mirage and 16-5 on Nuke, netting themselves 20k. But they are definitely the number one Polish team if it was in question. Uh, they are now actually backed by Codewise Unicorns, who decided to respect the Aristocracy brand, uh, which apparently is a very... Um, uh, well, it used to be one of the original Polish team brands sort of before the Golden Five started, and Taz was a part of that too. So that is basically like the MIBR of Poland. Um, but uh, Aristocracy were overshadowed by Ancient, who were who beat them. And Ancient also beat Crazy. Now, Crazy... Uh, well, just before we get into Crazy, actually, it should be mentioned that Taz ended the, uh, the entire tournament with a rating of 1.21, which is the highest 2.0 rating he has had at a LAN tournament ever. How old is he? Like 62, 63? That's that's kind of amazing. Uh, I think that was a stat provided by um, HLTV. So that's exciting. Hopefully, hopefully the rest of the team can uh, gel around him a bit, and we'll see some more polls having a tilt. Um, before we get onto crazy, as I said, uh, let's talk about Windstrike. They continue to disappoint with this new roster change, 
of Edward. They went down to Avanga and Tricked. Also, Avanga were expected to do better, but they lost 2-0 to Tricked. Uh, and then I think it was Ancient who beat Tricked. So this was a kind of a... This was actually a really fun tournament. Um, and... To be honest with you, Optica ranked, what, 31, 32, 33 right now? I am really excited to see these guys possibly become contenders again and hopefully this will be the start of something because there's so much talent on that team and it's a shame to have them sitting on the fences. Let's move on to the minor closed qualifiers. So we had a lot of the uh, closed qualifiers for the Star Ladder Berlin Major. I should say qualifiers for the minor which will help teams get into the major we're going to go through them one by one because it's pretty exhaustive and it's pretty extensive so bear with me first off uh we have the eu minor closed qualifiers where we had no chance big sprout ancient north mouse sports fanatic and crazy make it through i guess we should actually address this crazy thing now crazy are x valiance Crazy uh, Valiant decided to rebrand themselves as Crazy with a four <laughs> for the A. So if I put my literal cap on right now, it's Cr4Z. Uh, they've gotten a lot of flack for seemingly being uh, sincere about uh, being crazy, which is a shame. But, um, you know, the uh, internet love to shoot down any sort of forms of sincerity and uh, cringe at people who are just trying to make their mark on the world. I don't think it's uh, necessarily the worst thing they could have done, but um, I don't see what was wrong with Valiance, and uh, maybe crazy isn't how you would really want to describe uh, a professional team who are trying to take a game very seriously with hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake. But... um, <laughs> uh, defeated at this EU minor qualifier were Heroic, Virtus Pro, Optic, Tricked, Gamer Legion, Windigo, Magnitude, and Nordavind. I didn't expect Sprout to be in here, uh, perhaps not Ancient either, and maybe I was expecting Windigo or Optic or even Heroic to make it through. It seems Windigo still has a way to go. Uh, as I said, Optic um, would have been nice to see them go through, but MSL still seems to be uh, patchy. And I think Blame F is trying to do a little bit too much with Heroic. We just saw them go out at the EPL finals to uh, Astralis. I don't know about Heroic. What are they doing? They just seem to be sort of swimming around in a, in a kiddie pool a bit. I'd like to speak to Freiburg and get his take on it because um, it'd be good to know. I haven't watched enough of their games to really understand what's going on in that team, what's going wrong. The few matches I saw were short, shortly after Blame F joined as the IGL and what I have heard commentators say uh, seems to be match up with what I saw on those first matches which was that he's doing what kind of Nico did when he was IGLing which is the team can kind of revolve around me I'll try and get a pick or an opening and then once I do then we'll move you know we'll capitalize on that uh, if that's the case it's a uh, it's a risky strategy because you're putting all your eggs in one basket so to speak uh, Blame F is a very good fragger. But I don't think that's a, a long-term strategy for continued success. 
Let's move on to the Asia minor qualifiers. I should say one last thing. I, the, the, the best, I think the best um, uh, team out of this um, EU, EU minor qualifiers is probably at this point Mouse Sports. I'd say North are looking like a bit dangerous. Fnatic uh, are, are slumping right now, but we all know Fnatic... You know, the harder they slump, the harder they come back. So who knows about that? Uh, no chance are interesting because it's the uh, the Orglis, basically the Orglis Michael Ailey team. But I just don't see that they would have the sort of support um, to really deliver when the pressure's on. Now, the Asia minor qualifiers, that's that was split into several regions. We'll start with Oceania. That was uh, Greyhound and Avant who qualified. Uh, teams of note that they kicked out or... Um, excluded from their victories were the Order Boys. Uh, Greyhound put up a pretty good fight at the EPL season finals yesterday. Uh, I think they still have a way to go in terms of making unforced errors, but they're looking very sharp with their aim. The Chinese uh, minor qualifiers were won by Tyloo and Five Power. They're going through. They actually managed to leave the Katowice upsetters Vichy out. So that's interesting. Five Power seem to have made some strides in the meantime. East Asia saw MVP PK. No surprise there. They're going through. Southeast Asia saw Alpha Red. They go. They beat Boot DS and Lucid Dream. So this is a bit of a um, an opportunity for them. They are a Thai team. They were created in March last year. They've got a, a mix of some more experienced and younger players. And in the Middle East, we had a team called FFA Mix who qualified. <laughs> and if there's a random bunch uh, of dudes in the minors, these are going to be them. They quali- they they when did they get together? I think I think it was just like a week before these minor qualifiers. Uh, they're from different countries as well. So if these guys do anything, I'd be very surprised, but there should be some fun matches to watch anyway. Uh, the African um, minor qualifiers were won by Energy Esports. They're a South African team who have been around since 2015. Now, the CIS minor qualifiers, uh, I, I guess I should should say who I think is the best there. I, I think Greyhound are probably the best. Although Tyloo put up a pretty good match against uh, FaZe in the best of one at EPL a couple of days ago. So who knows? Maybe that new little roster... Uh, is going well, and I'm referring to the fact that Excurit is now out of the team. He has been replaced by Freeman, and I think Dan King's waiting on the uh, on the on the on the bench probably to replace Ben Tet. I can only assume they're going to eventually go full Chinese and get rid of all of his communication issues once and for all. Uh, so Tyler looking pretty good, and Greyhound as well. In fact, you know what? It's it's not like I actually really know what the state of the other teams are, uh, Energy, FFA Mix, or Alpha Red. I think that'll be one of the fun things about this minor is seeing how these uh, unknown teams compete. Now, the CIS minor was won by Spirit, Nemiga, Simon, or Simon, Forza, Unique Team, Warthogs, Esport, Gambit Youngsters, and Dream Eaters. These guys knocked out not bad, not bad, not bad, uh, Windstrike, Vega, and Pro 100. Uh, Windstrike with a big disappointment here. It's a shame let's see Vega going through as well. Uh, Windstrike. <sighs> they did such great things at the last major, minor, I should say. Well, I mean, not actually technically great. They didn't actually make it through, but I was I was cheering for them. So that's a disappointing uh, thing to see. Um, 
and of course we won't get that uh, <laughs> wild card that is the uh, Vegas Squadron MAC-10 rush. Um, now, some of these teams are pretty unknown to me, and so I'll give you a little bit of a background on some of them because I assume some of you might not know who they are as well. Wartox is a French-owned org, uh, except they're Russian, or they have Russian players. They've only been around since April 24th this year. But uh, they signed a, a pre-existing team called Carvo, K-A-V-O, and I can't actually find any info about them. Uh, Dream Eaters is a Russian team. They've been around since January last year. They have some very young and inexperienced players. A unique team is Russian. They have some more experienced players, most of whom were a part of a team called Space Jam. Space Jam actually uh, were kicking around for a while there, had some uh, results. I do recall their names. Uh, Forza, of course, uh, the team who have Face Crack, probably the most experienced player on that team and one of the greatest names in CSGO. And I just mean name, I don't mean reputation. Uh, they're actually looking quite good right now. They're a bit online-y, but their results have been uh, fairly solid recently. And uh, they are one of the oldest teams. In fact, they might be the oldest team here. They have been around in various iterations since 2003. Now, Simon, 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 Simon. This is a Kazakhstani team. They lost two of their best players this year, uh, Idis Balance and Sanji, one of whom went to Spirit and Sanji went to Avangar. Simon, <laughs> as of recording this podcast, have just been busted for throwing a match in a loop bet competition. And the evidence of them throwing is is of uh, eye by power levels. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know what sort of repercussions um, throwing in a match like this would have. In fact, you know what? Let's just look it up so we can actually just make a little call on this right now, live. The let's look. Let's look at this match page because these guys they should not get away with this. Loot dot bet smack my beach CIS qualifier. <laughs> So, Loot.Bex Smack My Beach is, I guess, some sort of upcoming tournament. Um, you know what? Let's have a look at it. Let's have a look at it. Loot Bet Smack My Beach. It's a cup. Okay. It's a cup. Uh, first place gets $10,000. So, it seems to be like a... An online... Oh, it's probably one of these re revolving online, uh, uh, you know, MDL-style competitions. There's actually some very good teams in here. Virtus Pro, Aristocracy, Gamers Legion, uh, Vega Squadron. Now, those guys uh, were also caught by Lootbet. I don't know what's going to happen after this. They should really um, be kicked out of the minor because one of the things too, they were the ones who knocked out um, Windstrike, knocked him out two one. So I would like to see a little bit of justice because I don't care if it's, it's if it's a little uh, online tournament. If you are throwing games for money or skins, um, as far as I'm concerned, you can fuck off. You can fuck off and never play the game again. Uh, and you can quote me on that. Now, Namiga have uh, Lollipop 21K. 
<laughs> I feel like every time a new major comes around, that is literally all I can say about Namiga. This time, dear listeners, I promise you I'm going to watch some Namiga games. Brush up on my Namiga knowledge. In fact, if there's any Namiga, uh, um, uh, you know, experts out there, get in touch with the pod. Come on and give us a bit of a rundown. <laughs> Spirit are, of course, the ever-improving Russian team. They now have Idis Balance, who they poached from the criminals, Simon. Uh, and they also have Chopper, who they poached from Vega since the last major. Um, and, of course, who can forget? They have some die young. So, actually, they're in with a pretty good chance here. And I think they're probably the best team out of these uh, qualifying teams. Now, the America's um, minor qualifiers were split into two. North America and, of course... South America. North America was won by, or I guess I should say the teams who are going through to the miners are Furia, no surprise there, Lazarus, E-United, NRG, Singularity, and Team One. And these guys uh, qualified at the expense of Envy, Luminosity, Bad News Bears, ATK, with Hiko standing in, uh, New Identity, The Quest, uh, Pika's Advantage, Party Astronauts, Cloud9, and Mythic. Now, Apart from the fact that we, we won't get party astronauts at, at the uh, minor, which is a shame. Cloud9 is, of course, the big story out of this. They were destroyed by new identity in the quest. <sighs> what a fall from grace it has been for these guys. Just as, just as we didn't th- think they could uh, tumble any further. This is a bit of a death knell for this roster, surely. There have been rumors uh, in the last few days from old mate uh, at Rush B Media that uh, Daps and Tens, Tens, Teasers, Tens, yeah, Tens, uh, might be coming in to replace Golden and uh, Vice. Now, something needs to happen. And the moment Daps left uh, NRG or was unceremoniously booted, uh, it did, of course, occur to me and anyone with a brain that he should be at Cloud9 helping to rebuild this roster uh, on the wonderful shores of the great country of the United States of America, uh, partly because he has been so uh, good in the past at finding younger players, doing his research, asking around, and uh, spotting the talent um, that will make a good team. Uh, we've seen him do it with Breezy. We've seen him do it with Cirque. We've seen him do it with uh, Nati or Ethan, as his mother knows him. Um, so he probably should be doing it at Cloud9. It's uh, he's too good a player to be uh, not doing anything. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps he should just be a coach at this point or a manager. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe if he death matches for the next six months in a row, he'll be the sort of fragger that a team means. Uh, so this is obviously a bit of a disappointment for those guys. I think. Um, one of the other stories, I guess, is the fact that Envy. Could not make the minors this time. If you recall, last major, Carrigan tried to take them into the major and got pretty far. They came first in the open minor qualifiers last time, but um, were beaten in the end by, I think, Windstrike or Vici, perhaps. So Envy, I think this is a bit of a death knell for these guys as well. They recently lost old mate JDM, so perhaps it was a bit of a, a, a bit too soon for these guys to do much at all. But I've said before, and I'll say it again, I don't have any confidence in Nifty as an IGL. In fact, I, I apart from his Nifty 50, I can't really point at what he's done as a player that's uh, of any real, um, Im, you know, leaves any real impression. Lovely guy though. Uh, Luminosity, this is a disappointment for them. 
Um, but um, them's the breaks. Team one is, of course, actually a Brazilian side who reside in NA. Singularity is the former Danish squad who went full CS uh, last October. Full CS. Full NA last October, I should say. Now, in the South American uh, side, we only had two teams who were allowed to qualify, and that was Sharks and Ints. Ints are, of course, the uh, KNG delivery system. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Oh, pardon me. There's some bad allergies this time of year. Uh... Yeah, yeah, basically KNG, Vito Giuseppe, who's the IGL as well. I don't know if you guys know that, but he is IGLing. Uh, and uh, Sharks are, um, well, they've been around too. They've been around, guys. Look, do your own research. <laughs> uh, one of the teams that these guys knocked out of the minors was Sons of Scoots. So Scoots put in some money for these guys to make it to the... Uh, to the tournament apparently they didn't manage to make it through big ups to old mate scoots let's move on to some roster changes all right actually i think we've kind of gone through a lot of these as we've moved along uh as i said nrg swapped apps to status law now one of the interesting things to point out about this uh, movement was that um you're probably aware this is the second time Maybe it's the third time. It's at least the second time that uh, Tarek has joined a team and then <laughs> Daps has left shortly after and then Stan has been brought in as a replacement. Uh, Daps is actually currently playing with a team at the EPL Season uh, 9 Finals because they didn't really have enough time. Or oh, no, they were already qualified with him. He's actually doing much better than usual. Seems to be one of those uh, uh, situations where the pressure's all off now. Golden style. Daps is going to frag the F out. And uh, I fully expect uh, when NRG win the entire thing that um, Daps tweets, I stay, and the whole <laughs> cycle begins again. Uh, Ghost Ghost is disintegrated. Ghost, the NA, NA team, who was so exciting last year at various points, um, have completely disintegrated. They have chosen not to renew the contracts of the team members, Wardell is the only one left under contract because I think he signed a multi-year agreement last year. And apparently the roster won't be sticking together, so Steel's up for grabs. Um, who else was there? Kusta? Kusta's up for grabs. I don't know what uh, what Steel should do. I don't know what where Steel should go. He still can't qualify for the majors, for the Valve-sponsored events, so... Uh, it's not like they would they would take him over at Cloud9 uh, as I mentioned there's, a, there's been some changes at Tai Lu Valiants have rebranded as crazy Tens and Daps rumoured to be replacing Golden Advice Tens is the 18 year old Tyson Nyo N-G-O Nyo I think is how you pronounce it I think it's a Vietnamese surname he's uh, recently been standing in for ATK and before that was a member of the Bad News Bears apparently he's a crazy fragger I think he was standing in with uh, FNS on uh, ATK. And if I recall, FNS put out a little tweet saying, someone give this kid a contract. Uh, something needs to happen at Cloud9 for sure. ASAP Rocky. Uh, there's been a lot of a call for Rush to get out of there. I will I will defend Rush. I think, uh, I think Rush is 
is, uh, as has been pointed out by uh, cleverer voices than me, is a, a player who's sort of whose performance wavers depending on the players around him. And if he can get a good system around him, it can be used correctly um, with a good IGL, I think he will do just fine. It, it actually is surprising how much Golden has failed to bring this roster together. I uh, got into a little bit of a tiff with a listener. Um, not really a tiff, but, you know, a back and forth about Golden's um, victories, the two of which... Uh, the most remarkable of which are WESG 2017 and of course I am Katowice 2017 with Fnatic 17 or 18 maybe it's 18 oh my god um, as you get older you, the timelines just become mush uh, this was the one where he said I stay and then shortly after was kicked anyway you have to remember the just before he was just before those victories, they were kicking him for good reason. Those guys had just gone out of group, gone out in the group stage of what was it? Um, I can't remember what it was. Some big competition, uh, and he'd been basically leading them into the ground. Now, this listener, and apologies, I don't have your name at hand. You are a listener who I recognise, um, but I didn't do my research for this part. But he did point out that. The reason these guys won WSG and Katowice is because Golden's mid-round calls. That was not my impression watching it. My impression was that they won despite seemingly not really having any sort of an IGL effect going on. Uh, And basically because Flusher and Crims just decided to do whatever the hell they wanted um, and uh, took over the whole match. And also FaZe crumbled at IEM Katowice. Uh, and WSG, there wasn't as much competition anyway. So I don't see where Golden has proven himself really anywhere along the line uh, and if he does get kicked from cloud nine and doesn't manage to uh, keep any control over this roster then it, uh, I, I cannot imagine where he could possibly go I don't think ninjas in pajamas should get him on board um, it could be uh, it could be tier two tier three uh, relegation for him I would like to interview that guy. I haven't seen an interview with him for a while, and it would be interesting to hear his thoughts. One of the uh, things that's come out recently about the Cloud9 roster by way of Kiyoshima, one of my fave players, still sitting on the bench, mind you, uh, was that there was a bit of a mess at Cloud9, but also that there's uh, too much power in the hands of the players there and not enough power in the hands of the Org. So there's obviously a pointed reference to the fact that he was kicked because of the players and not the organization. Uh, If that's the case... Then the rumours of Timothy Automatic Tar having a bit too much power over the roster could be true. I think it's uh, DK who's said before that that's one of the reasons Automatic uh, continues to cling to that dying uh, organisation because he has some power over the roster and gets to dictate who he wants in and who he wants out. If that's the case, uh, someone is to take the reins from him because he's uh, leading his team to the ground and have a good look at uh, who's available and shake it, shake it all up. Go full NA again. No questions about it. Full NA and uh, rebuild with some younger players. And uh, Daps is probably not a bad way to do it. Uh, who else we got? Uh, uh, one interesting uh, cool thing that's happened is that the remaining uh, the players from uh, ex-Space Soldiers have decided to band together with some other players and have called themselves the Turkey Five. <laughs> Engine and Paz uh, and the manager Hardstyle have managed to find some replacements for the other dudes, Calix and uh, Zentaras, who jump ship. And actually, they don't really have an orc. 
they've just decided to give themselves a little bit of a rebrand. And if you are a graphic designer, they've also asked for a logo. <laughs> so get get a uh, flop out your Illustrator, flop out your Photoshop, and um, draw them up a logo. Uh, I guess it's exciting in that they're just still staying around and they're trying to make it work. And hopefully they'll find some sponsorship. Now, yay. Oh, pardon me, these allergies. Yay has uh, found a team. Yay, if you recall, was kicked from complexity after they didn't manage to uh, do any better than their major run in London. Yay has one of the most wholesome smiles in Counter-Strike. One of the greatest grins. Uh, Actually, it turned out Yay was pretty depressed on complexity. And perhaps he was just questioning himself. The way uh, some people do when they get a bit of success and they don't have the self-worth to back it up, which is a shame. But it turns out that uh, he's a lot better. He's had some time off, perhaps gone back to the drawing board a bit with how he was living his life. He's not going to be playing in this major because uh, he was playing for Bad News Bears in the qualifiers. But he's on a team and we're going to see that uh, that uh, happy visage once again. So that's exciting. Snappy is on the market. Snappy, if you recall, was kicked from Optic for MSL. Well, not actually kicked. MSL came in. Uh, who, who did he replace? He replaced uh, somebody. Yugi, I think. No, is Yugi on the team? No, Yugi's on another team. Yugi's on North. Yeah, he came in and replaced Yugi. No, MSL replaced Yugi. Snappy went to a fragger. Then MSL kicked Snappy, or someone kicked Snappy. Um, he's managed to release himself from his contract. and is now on the market. I don't know where this guy would go now at this point either. Uh, join up with Golden, perhaps. Uh, and news just today as well, as part of the 20th... I don't know why this is coming at the end of the roster changes, but this is how I work, guys. This is how I work. Don't hate the... Don't hate the um, I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, the Org has been nerfed as of today as part of the 20th anniversary update. It appears the uh, spray recoil has um, been uh, upped a bit, I guess you would say. It's not as um, good <laughs> anymore. It, it takes a little longer to reset. Um, it seems that the org still is probably going to be good really close range because it can get one-shot headshots uh, and still at long range when you're uh, just doing some little taps, some little burst fire when you're scoped in. But mid-range, it appears the M4A4 uh, has the advantage once again. So that's fun. Maybe we won't see these uh, five org CT sides anymore, which, to be honest with you, was not my favorite because it felt like there was a little bit of skill missing somehow. It all seemed a little bit too easy, didn't it, when uh, the orgs came out to play. So that's cool. There's some sort of chicken capsule as well that you can buy as part of the 20th anniversary update. I don't even know what that is. What? I, I don't even know. I guess it's a case you can buy. And some other way to make money. Speaking of money, Valve made $414 million last year. Who put that stat out? Someone put that stat out. And uh, sorry for not crediting you, but thank you for doing it. That's a lot of money from a 20-year-old game. That's pretty damn good. Let's move on to some life stuff. Okay, so I don't know where I'm going to go with this. Um, I just had some things I... Uh, have been thinking vaguely about. Maybe I should save them for another episode, but maybe I should just just go with it, you know? Because if you're listening until this point, uh, well, you can always turn me off, can't you? 
Uh, that's the end of the CSGO news. Oh, one thing I should say before I get into this stuff, if you are out there and want to help out with the podcast, get in touch because it's becoming it's becoming very clear to me that I cannot maintain the uh, pace that the news is coming out now uh, that I used to be able to. I don't know whether it's because my job has become a lot more busy or there's a lot more news going on. This is more tournaments. I'm not sure. Maybe my standards just uh, gone up as well as the podcast has continued. Either way, I'm going to need to do something. I'm going to need some help. Uh, I did have a kid called Josh who was helping out with the news earlier in the year. Uh, And all it was was someone who just collated everything that had happened in the week prior so I could go through it and talk about it and I could spend my time watching matches and uh, actually thinking about what I was going to say rather than collating little bits of info and stuff. Uh, So if you're out there and you want to give a hand, uh, let me know. I think we're going to start a Patreon when I get back to Sydney. So maybe July, beginning of July, um, because you need to verify your phone number, all this stuff for that kind of thing. So if we can get some money for a news person, if we get any money, it'll go to uh, uh, paying for a news person because I don't make any money from this. In fact, it cost me 250 50 bucks or something a year for the the um, the uh, SoundCloud account. So this would just go to help uh, to pay for someone every week to collate some news. If that sounds like an interesting thing to you, uh, be in touch. So now what I wanted to talk about was uh, the four archetypes of man. Now, the reason this came up in my um, thoughts, I had it at a time in um, Venice, actually. I had a little moment uh, by myself. And I was thinking about when I was a kid, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't really play it much because I didn't have many friends who played it, but I liked to think about it more than I played it. And uh, I played it on the computer a lot. And the uh, way I always thought of myself in terms of the classes, and I think I've spoken about this before on the podcast, was as a magic user fighter. I was a dual class. Now, if you haven't played Dungeons & Dragons before, you you all get a class, basically, you know, like a thief, a warrior, a fighter, a wizard, or a, a cleric. And you level up with experience points as you go on adventures and discover treasures and kill monsters and whatnot. If you choose a dual class, that means two classes at once, You it takes you twice as long to level up because your experience points are getting put, are getting halved in the 50% in, in, in one camp, 50% in the other. So my experience points are always going half to magic user and half to fighter. And that means that you level up at half the speed uh, of everyone else around you. So by the time your mate gets to uh, a level 10 fighter, you're only at a level 5 magic user and a level 5 fighter. The cool thing is, though, if you keep playing until the end of the uh, campaign or whatever, at some point, um, you will be, let's say he f- the fighter caps out at level 20, eventually you will catch up to him and you'll be a level 20 fighter and a level 20 magic user. So you'll be twice as powerful, but it'll take you twice as long. Now... That's always how I saw myself because I wasn't a guy who liked to specialize in any one thing in life. I like to do a lot of different things. And I liked to think of myself as having the stamina of a warrior and the drive of a warrior and yet the curiosity and the creativity of a wizard. Now, this is all going to sound like uh, I'm a dickhead, right? Probably. Because what what guy who's not a dickhead thinks of himself as a warrior or a wizard. But actually, what I discovered recently uh, was a... Well, actually, I discovered it a while ago, but it did get me thinking about this book that I was kind of halfway through, which was called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And it was printed in about, I think, the late 70s or mid-80s. 
became a bit of a sensation uh, and has been reprinted. Oh, no, it's been rewritten for a new generation. You can find that on uh, Amazon and whatnot. But I recommend the original one because it does it very well. Uh, I should be citing the authors here, shouldn't I? But you can just Google it, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. What it talks about basically is that there's four archetypes that every man has inside of him. The king is obviously the uh, the ruler, the uh, motivator, the the goal setter, um, the cool, calm, collected uh, sovereign in us, not only for the people around us, the people around us that we rule, but also the, the person inside us that we rule, the different personalities inside us that we rule. And these apply to women, by the way. This, this is a queen, obviously, for a woman. Uh, the warrior is, as I said, the actor, the doer, the uh, motivation, the man of action, the, uh, the fighter, and not necessarily the physical one either. The wizard the, or the magician is the wisdom, the learner, the creator, uh, the seer, the the person inside of us who likes to learn, who likes to improve our knowledge base, uh, who likes to be an expert on things, who specialises. <coughs> and the lover is, of course, the, <coughs> the person in us who connects to friends, families, lovers, partners, uh, the world around us, who is the giver, the carer, uh, and all those kinds of things. And then... One of the, uh, I guess there's a there's a there's a fifth one which is a shadow side, and that's the shadow of all those ones. We won't go into that in this podcast. I don't think. I think it's a bit, um, a bit beyond where I'm going to go here. But I guess one one of the reasons this this uh, there's, a, there's a few things that occurred to me. One was that my warrior side was a little bit underdeveloped, and uh, and I start I kind of worked that out by writing down a story uh, about a warrior wizard and I just sort of did it unconsciously I just had a little moment well, a few hours where I just had no, nothing around me um, I was in this little courtyard of this hotel in Venice and I'd been if you've been to Venice it's just it's just crazy the crowds are just nuts um, so it was like a huge amount of activity and and uh, crushing crowds and then suddenly I had this piece uh, in this little courtyard there was no sound just some birds and me had a beer, had a notepad, and started writing this little unconscious story about this wizard who was also a warrior. And as I started working out, like, what's going to happen to this guy? What's he doing? What's his problems? Where is he trying to get to? I realized that actually my life has become a little bit heavy on the wizardy side. And that's fine. We all specialize, I think, in, in various... Uh, of these archetypes at different points in our life and for good reason but um it's been a long time that i've just been a wizard and by that i've mean about five or six years ago i decided that i would get better at this one particular thing and this one particular thing is screenwriting and that became my focus and that's basically really all i've done for yeah almost five years now and a lot of that is just sitting in a room either reading screenplays or reading about screenplays or writing them uh, or pacing around a room with someone else trying to crack a script. So it's very, very cerebral, incredibly cerebral. Um, and there's not actually much chance to practice the other archetypes there, king, warrior, lover. But I think in, there's other parts of my life in which I can. So 
What I realized was that I really needed to focus on increasing the warrior presence in my life. <coughs> and one of the things that the warriors do, as I mentioned earlier, in regards to Australis, is set very clear boundaries and uh, be very clear about what sort of behavior they will and won't tolerate around them. And also what sort of behavior they will and won't tolerate for themselves. Uh, and... I guess that's the king who enforces that in yourself. But that was one thing I wasn't doing. I would recommend reading this book um, because it's, uh, even if you don't agree with it, even if you think archetypes are nonsense and there's more inside us, it'll give you food for thought. I was doing a lot of exercise and I was getting physical. And I think that was kind of a first for me. And that was, that was, being a warrior in some ways but i think actually in our work we need to be warriors too and i think i was neglecting that and i think what that is is that's exercising self-control that's exercising discipline uh, and it's exercising that uh continuous ability to grind when you need to not to grind needlessly uh, grinding needlessly as a warrior without a king, but grinding with a purpose. And I think sometimes I haven't been doing that in the last four or five years. Um, and I, I guess we've talk, talked about it a lot on this podcast, self-control, uh, exercising will over your own addictions and uh, procrastinations and managing your time better. There are some interesting strategies that this book went through, and actually, there's some interesting ones in the um, in the the modern rewrite. One of them is that, or one of the ideas is that we don't have uh, initiation rituals in this culture anymore, and so the transition from boyhood to adulthood in men, which is basically a, a boy into a warrior, um, is a transition that never really happens. And one of the fallouts, actually that struck me as really curious was the idea that when you're a boy you dream about being a hero and that's a fantasy that's uh unrealistic because heroes are people who um kind of do everything themselves right it's this it's this fantasy of this standalone hero uh who just kind of toughs it out himself and is a superhuman right and one of the characteristics of uh, ancient or more um, tribal initi- uh, initiation ceremonies is that the younger men were branded by older men or the other men in the tribe and that was to demonstrate the fact that they have no control over nature and they're not as <laughs> invincible as they think and if they're going to uh, be warriors they're going to need the tribe and they're going to need the cooperation of the tribe and I think Maybe that has some relevance on the way the culture is right now where so much of what we consume, even at the age of, in our 30s, seems to be this sort of superhero-based crap. Um, That's a very, very general statement. I think actually... No, I won't go into that. I won't go into cyberpunk. 
<laughs> Cyberpunk, what is it, 2077? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's for another podcast. Anyway, I'm beginning to ramble here. I don't even know exactly where I'm going. Uh, I would say, though, that there's also some interesting parallels to be drawn between those uh, four archetypes and perhaps the roles on a CSGO team. And if you're a perfect man or, or a fully realized man, I should say, you have all four of them. And I guess if you're a fully realized CSGO team, you do have all four of those archetypes as well. I guess the fifth one is the shadow, the lurker or the thief. A good party in D&D always had a thief who could trick people, who could steal uh, you know, things that were required for the party's benefit. Uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but... Um, Maybe I'll have some more advanced thoughts about it uh, next podcast. So maybe we should just end it there and uh, check out that uh, book if you have the ch- if you have the chance. And you're kind of wondering, maybe you're at the uh, at the limits of what um, sort of self development maybe you've got. Oh, one of the things um, uh, that sentence doesn't make sense, but one of the things that was interesting as well in this modern book, and this is what I meant to say when I was talking about the initiation rituals is that there are actually men's groups that you can go to that do sort of modern day rituals. And I might actually look into it when I get back to Sydney because I feel like I feel like there is a transition missing in me somewhere along the line. I haven't been initiated somehow. Yeah. Anyway, I'll report back on that. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can uh, tweet at me at the truth CSGO. You can email me, the truth the truth CSGO.com. You can uh, join the Discord. That's uh, the addresses on the Twitter account. And uh, the music uh, was by Beaufort, although the uh, happy birthday rock guitar mix was by Ian Finlayson. You put that up on YouTube. Thank you, Ian. Uh, what else should we say? I guess we're affiliated with CSGO to Asia. Um, and if you want to help out with the news and the podcast, please, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's it. Until next time, enjoy the game and enjoy the EPL uh, finals, which uh, <laughs> are happening right now. I guess we'll talk about it next episode. All right, ciao.